Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Central Wired podcast, and thanks for listening in. Make sure to stay connected with us throughout the week at centralwired.com or on Facebook and Instagram. We hope this week's message meets you right where you're at. Enjoy. Hey, I thank God for you guys. Oh my gosh, I love you guys. I'm so grateful uh, that you're in my life and that you put up with me for the last 38 years. Yeah. Just, uh, just on the outside chance that the sermon is boring, I brought a toy. Um, do you know what this is? Yeah, it's the new iPhone 13. Um, you got to get one. Uh, no, I, maybe when you were young and you had one of these things, you had like a creative flair and you could make portraits of people and draw pictures. I don't have a creative bone in my body, so I could like do boxes or steps, you know? That was it. If I tried to do a dog or a horse or a house, it just got ugly, a mess. But you know what I love about this? If you screw up, if you make an ugly mess, all you got to do is shake it and you get a fresh start. You get a clean slate. So I keep this in my prayer place in my office as a reminder that the unfailing love of my God erases all the ugly messes I make, dissolves all the ugly screw-ups that come out of my life, and he just keeps giving me do-over after do-over after do-over after do-over, forgives me of all my sin, cleanses me of all my guilt and shame. Because here's the deal about me and you. I mean, likely the truth about you is that you've brought a hurt or some hurts today. People have been unkind to you. People have said hurtful things. People have done hateful things. And if I can be a little real, you've been unkind and you've done the hurtful thing and you've said hateful things to others. That's me too. Now, the struggle is if we allow what's been done to us in the past without turning to Jesus for healing, if we allow what we've done in the past that's hurt others. I mean, have you ever damaged a relationship by saying hurtful things to the people closest to you? We've all been there. We've all been hurt and we've all hurt. And yet if we keep carrying our hurts around, it distorts and damages our identity. If we keep reminding ourselves of what a jerk I've been, how I wrecked the relationship, how I ruined the moment, if I keep carrying my guilt for the hurts I've done, it, it, the, the past can disrupt and damage my identity. Um, and so I, I just believe that you're not here by whim or chance or circumstance, coincidence today. I believe God has brought you to this moment. I, I believe at this exact time in your life, he has brought you here to whisper over your soul this truth. You are not defined by what you've done or by what's been done to you. And it's time, whatever the hurt you brought, it's time to move on. It's time for a new identity. It's time for a new day in your life where that hurt no longer has any effect on your present and the hurts that you've done have lost their grip on your soul because the struggle for many of us is that we tend to see ourselves 
tend to define ourselves by what's been done to us. We see ourselves as victims and we love to tell people how we've been unfairly, unjustly hurt. And they try to get them on our side against the person who hurt us. But that's a sick way to go at life. Health is letting go. I mean, you can forgive. You don't have to become that person's new best friend. But you got to let it go. And you got to let go of what you've done that's been hurtful and hateful. I told you last week, three big identity lies. And if you weren't here, I'd encourage you to go on our website and take in that talk. But I want to give you two more identity lies today. Here they are. Identity lie number one. I am the damage that's been done to me. I am a victim. I am powerless to change my circumstances. I'll always be shaped by that bad thing that happened to me. That is a lie. Because your Jesus is a healer. Your Jesus, just a second. And you think that's water. No, your, your Jesus is at work to your good. He takes the ugly and makes, brings beauty out of the worst possible thing. Now, not only is Jesus actively at work to your good, he is trying to recreate you into his best version of you. Not your mama's best version or your teacher's best version or your boyfriend's best version. Jesus is trying to cre- recreate his best version of you. You are not defined by what's been done to you. Identity line number two I am the damage that I've done in the past. Not only do we hold on to the hurts that have been done to us, the hurts that we've done hold on to us. And we carry not just the weight of the next day's struggle, we carry the weight of our guilt into the next day. And it just does creepy stuff to us. Um, Speaking of creepy, have you ever read the book, Edgar Allan Poe's uh, The Telltale Heart? Anybody? High school literature class, love literature. In fact, in the year 2000, Deb and I, my, my Debbie, my wife, she and I went to uh, New York City for a prayer conference. Sadly, I remember more than the prayer conference tracking down every Edgar Allan Poe place in New York City. Um, but in the telltale heart, if you haven't heard it or if you've forgotten the story, let me give you a synopsis or a summary. Um, the, the main character is a creepy nut job. And he wants to commit the perfect crime. There is an elderly man in his life that he just is annoyed by to the point he wants to kill the guy, but he wants to get away with the murder. So he plans it out. He knows what he's going to do. He does the dark, dastardly deed and kills the old man. And to make it the perfect crime, if if you're newer here, this room is R-rated Hold your hand over the ears of your children. He dismembers the old man and buries the parts under the floorboards of his apartment. And he feels like, did it, dude? Got away with it. Old man's gone. No one misses him. No one's any the wiser. Perfect crime. But... The guilt, the guilt begins to gnaw away at his soul and he doesn't even know it. He begins to hear, he begins to feel the pulsing throb. Thump, 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 thump. 
of the old man's heart buried underneath the floorboards of his house. Tries to ignore it. But it builds, it grows louder and louder. Spoiler, uh, spoiler alert, by the end of the story, he goes insane, driven crazy by the guilt. In fact, the thump, 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 is not a heart in the floor of his house. It's the heart in his chest. Pushed him over the edge. Well, you know, Poe could write that story because that's the human condition. In fact, there's this real smart guy, David Belgum. He, he wrote a book called Guilt. This is a Christian author, a Christian counselor. And his research indicated that 75% of the people in the hospital have real physical illnesses, problems, but the physical illness is rooted in their emotional guilt. Get rid of the guilt, get rid of the physical problem. Here's what he writes. Their physical symptoms and breakdowns are for many their involuntary confessions of the guilt. Now he goes on to write, I believe it was him, either him or the Christian uh, author and counselor, uh, Charlie Gerber, but they say that guilt is a gift from God. Check it out. This is God's perspective on guilt. G-U-I-L-T. It's God's unique, intentional, loving treatment. Guilt... It's like an engine warning light on the dashboard of our soul. It flashes to indicate to us that something is wrong under the hood and it needs to be addressed, it needs to be resolved, it needs to be fixed so we can keep going forward in life without struggle, without a problem. I can remember times in my life when I was saying the wrong thing hurting people, I was doing the wrong thing, hateful things, hurting people. And God gives me this, I don't know what you wanna call it, but to me, it was like a vision. God allowed me to see what my life was gonna become, how I was gonna destroy the most important relationships in my life, how I was gonna lose my ministry, how I was gonna lose my life if I kept going down this path. In fact, I pray now I just cried out then, God, get me back on track. I don't want to become that guy. I don't want to be this guy. And so I pray every night when I go to bed, I pray Psalm 23, a part of which is, he leads me in paths of righteousness. He leads me in right paths for his name's sake. And I'm so grateful that my guilt light was flashing over what I was doing wrong, that I could address it, have him heal it or fix it and allow him to craft his best version of me. But Satan, the original identity thief, takes a good thing, any good thing God makes, but in this case, the good thing of guilt, and he twists it painfully and twists it and twists it until it becomes something ugly. Here's what Satan does with our guilt. It is grief united with grief and grief time, instance after instance of hurtful words and hateful behavior. Grief united in life-long torment. That's what Satan does. Uh, this, um, this lady, she was walking every day, every morning to work. And when she walked to work to get to her job, she had to walk by a pet store. And in the pet store window was a parrot. And as the lady walked by, the parrot would go, hey, lady, what? 
you're ugly. She was offended, but every day, every morning as she walked by, Perry did the same thing. Hey, lady, what? You're ugly. And so finally she'd had it. She stomps into the store, gets the manager, points in his face. Hey, every time I walk by this store, that crazy bird in the window insults me, offends me. I wanted to stop. He said, oh, I'm so, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Um, I'll, I'll take care of that. And I guarantee it'll never happen again. Next morning, she walks by the pet store on the way to her job. Parrot goes, hey, lady. She goes, what? You know. Father, forgive me. <laughs> no, that's a, that's a good picture of what Satan does to us. I mean, we can be haunted by that uh, abortion. We suffered that unexpected but severe financial reversal. We have failed time and time and time again. In fact, when Satan points a wicked finger at me and says to God, Dave Clark, he, he says hurtful things. Dave Clark, he does hurtful, hateful behavior. Dave Clark is a vile, dark sinner. He's just telling the truth. Jesus said that Satan is a liar. The father of all lies, who's lied from the very beginning. But to tell you the truth, he doesn't have to lie about me and the ugliness of my sin before God. All he's got to do is tell the truth. And you know what Satan says? He then turns on me. The Bible says that Satan is not just a liar. He's an accuser. He accuses us before God. Now, the good news for us is that Jesus points out the, 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 the nail piercings in his wrists and in his feet and the sword that was plunged in his side, the score, scar there. And that's all we need as an advocate to put to death the lies of Satan. But Satan says, you know, you know you're an addict, gambling, pornography, alcohol. You know you know that your identity at one time was inmate number 122951? You know. You know. You know about the divorce. You know. You know you don't belong in church. You know. You know how unworthy you are. You know how un inadequate you are. You know. That's Satan. You know. And it's all a lie. His every accusation is a lie. The truth comes from our advocate, the Lord Jesus. You see, it's not about what's been done to me. It's what Jesus did for me on the cross to pay for my sins. Yeah. And, and here's the deal. It's not just what I've done. And we all do the hateful. We all say the hurtful. And it's not, my, my identity is not based on anything I've done. It's what Jesus is actively doing right now in my behalf to recreate me into his best version of me. You see, here's the truth. If we don't deal with our inner demons, when that guilt warning light is flashing, if we don't address what's going on, about the things we said and the things we've done. 
those inner demons get on like, the guilt demons get on like steroids and they are transformed into like the ugly uh, stepsister shame. If you don't deal with your inner demons, they put your guilt on steroids until it becomes soul strangling shame. Another one of these smart guys, this is Lewis Meads, brilliant Christian counselor. To help us understand the difference between guilt and shame, he writes this way. We feel guilt, you do, I do, we all do, for what we do. But we feel shame for what we believe we are. A person feels guilt because he did something wrong. A person feels shame because he believes he is something wrong. And if, if guilt, because we carry the hurts done to us and the guilt of what we've done hangs onto us, shame is even worse. It's like it saturates our soul, distorting and debilitating who we are. Shame is a dangerous inner enemy. But shame has a dangerous enemy called grace. You see, shame says I am unworthy. Grace says I am highly valued and deeply loved by the one true and living God. Shame says I am unaccepted and unacceptable. But grace says that my God loves me with an everlasting, unfailing love. Shame makes me want to hide. Grace makes me want to shine. Shame is the language of the evil one and grace is the language of Jesus. And guess what? Grace always wins. When I think ill of myself, grace wins. When Jesus telling me who I am in himself, that I am adopted into the family of God, that I am deeply loved, that I am treasured, that I am precious in God's sight. Jesus keeps telling me the truth. Grace wins, my sins are forgiven. Every sin, past, present, and future. Grace wins in that I'm cleansed, cleansed fully of all guilt and shame. Grace always wins. And grace wins always, not just like I'm a container and I'm receiving the grace of God for my life. No, grace wins through me. Not a container, I'm a conduit, I'm a channel through which the grace of God flows. Grace wins for us, so grace can win for others through us. You know, maybe you came in today and you saw the front page of our brochure and you think, wow, this church has got some pretty ambitious goals. That's a little crazy. What our church has is a God who is able to do immeasurably, abundantly, exceedingly more than all we can ask or even imagine. What we have here is a new identity in Christ. We know that we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good things, good works he's prepared in advance for us to do. You see the difference between our past and our future? Our identity is not based on what we've done or what's been done to us. Our identity is based on what God is gonna do through us that he has already, he's got the greatness planned. And so today, if you're newer here, you just get to watch. But we are doing something in the 38 years I've been the pastor here um, that I don't, I don't remember 
um, us ever doing before, but you know, sometimes I forget to change my underwear. I don't know. Uh, but no, I don't ever remember doing this, but we're taking up a, an emergency love offering today for orphans in Haiti for over 15 years, probably pushing 20 years. Uh, we've been connected with children's work in Haiti, all um, Haitian-driven. And um, uh, my adopted daughter grew up in an orphanage there. Uh, my adopted son, though Wilkie was a street kid, um, spent months in a boys' orphanage there. And then we have, an, our church has built an orphanage there. And the, the crises in Haiti is off the charts, horrific. We just got word this week that adults near the orphanage uh, that we've built, that my son uh, helps with, a missions team goes out, down to work in, that adults are eating grass and leaves just to survive. And the orphanages are out of food. Little orphans, little boys and girls, not only have they lost their family, they are going to bed at night with empty, aching bellies. And we're going to do something about it. We, as soon as we heard, we scrounged together a couple thousand dollars and sent it down so that they could immediately buy some food and get going with feeding those children. A family in our church last week came up to me after this service and said, we're going to match what the church did. Here's another $2,000. Don't wait until the emergency level offering, get more food for those children in those children's works. Now, praise the Lord. <clears throat> and, and so at the end of my talk, we're going to receive an emergency because those kids can't wait. I knew what life was like for my daughter and my son when they were growing up in Haiti. Those kids, they need our help and we're going to make sure that they get fed. But that's just the beginning of stuff for us. You can check it off the list. The front page, right over here, right next door, Frozen Intermediate School. There are kids going to school right now who do not have winter coats, winter hats. I saw a young person walking across our parking lot on the way to school. No coat. You know, it's, it's, it's bad enough. When you go to school and you've got like layers of three shirts on, to stay warm or at least not as cold, and you're walking up the sidewalk and you see some other kid that's got like a real nice winter coat, it's not just that you, what you don't have, it makes you feel ashamed because you're poor and that ain't right. And so as we've done in the past, we'll do again this year, we are collecting winter gear. I went to Walmart, bought this um, coat for 20 bucks, bought a hat for five, does that match? Okay, it's for a boy. Nah, just kidding. I was thinking some little girl that's not got winter clothes is now gonna have a coat and hat and feel good about who they are because the love of Jesus is real at Central Christian Church and it reaches out to those in need, no strings attached. But we found out from the high school this year that um, winter gear is not the most hurtful thing. You know that um, 80% of the Children in our school system qualify for free lunch and free breakfast and free lunch. But when they go home, there's a bunch of kids that there's not going to be a third meal. It's not till breakfast the next day. And on the weekends, that free lunch at noon, no more meals until Monday breakfast. And so they said, school system has told us their greatest need is for gift cards for food and groceries. So I went to Walmart, got the coat, put $25 on a gift card to be given to a young person. The young people are telling them that's our greatest need so we can buy groceries to feed ourselves, feed our siblings. So while you're out shopping, 
grab a coat or coats uh, for kids, hats, mittens, scarves, feed high school kids, um, and notice the date on the brochure. And then the next week, we feed hungry people right in our immediate area every Wednesday, four days of groceries. And, uh, but we're running low, as you can imagine, Thanksgiving and Christmas time. So my son, Wilkie, and his wife, Marissa, they went out and got a bag of groceries for us to stock the shelves in our food pantry. But because I'm the competitive dad, I wanted to beat them, so I went out and bought two. And mine's all spam. No, if you want to beat me, you bring free. Okay, but I, I tell you the truth, there, it doesn't have spam. It looked too good to me. I kept it for myself. <laughs> but we, we are going to stock those shelves and feed the hungry people in our immediate area. And then I know if you're newer here, this is going to be a mind blower for you. It's not a mind blower for our God. But on Christmas each year, we take up what we call this year a game changer Christmas offering. And our goal is over $200,000, 15,000 of which will be devoted to a prom experience for young people and adults in our area with special needs. They maybe didn't get to go to prom when they were in high school, but they get to go to prom at Central Christian Church. We'll pull out all the stops to get them the best of food, great dining, great, great dancing, great fun. You won't see me dancing. Somebody would get injured. But we just put on this great prom experiences, tuxes and suits and prom dresses, um, haircuts and foo-foo and fluff-fluff for the girls. We're, we're not gonna do a one and done for the high school kids and the middle school kids here in our area that are hungry and hurting. And so we're devoting $5,000 to make sure that there's always three things, proper clothing, proper nutritious food, and, and, and number three, that every kid gets to go on every school trip. No kid has to stay back or skips a day because they're too embarrassed that everybody else or a whole, whole bunch of other kids get to go on a field trip, but they don't get to go. No, we'll make sure that scholarships are available for every child. Now, we have campuses. If you don't know who we are, we have four different locations every weekend, six different worship venues in two different languages. We have a campus in Janesville and a campus in McChesney Park. And just like here in Beloit, we want to make it hard to go to hell and easy to come to Jesus. That's the way it is at our campuses. We believe in transforming the state line area, the entire state line area into a Christ-like community. So $20,000 will be invested to help our campuses reach people people who are far from God and to help those who are hurting in their immediate areas. And then $20,000 will go to our orphanage in Haiti. If you are unfamiliar with the violence that's happening right now in Haiti, uh, all the schools on the island are shut down. I asked my son, I said, son, is your school shut? Yeah. Why? Because if teachers show up and kids show up, then the gangs show up and shoot up the place. Now, those children in Haiti get a meal when they go to school, likely their only meal of the day. Now, the schools may be shut down so that they're not learning their reading, writing, and arithmetic. But on the weekends, we can get our orphans to church. 
And the $20,000 is going for the construction, the security, the safety of our church there in that immediate village where the villagers can come and learn about Jesus, where our orphans from our orphanages can go and sing songs of praise to Jesus, learn Jesus stories, and know that their God is their forever friend. And then this room, we are going to devote $120,000. It may not look like it, but this room is 14 years old. And so everything's breaking at once. We believe that our worship, worship in excellence, honors God and inspires people. And it has a ripple effect from this room to our other worship venues at our other locations to the people in your life. It ripples through your heart and into your marriage. It ripples through your heart and into the hearts of your children. Over 200 children will be in our kids' works ministry this weekend alone. And so that 200000 sounds like a lot of money. It's a lot of money to me. My Deb and I have saved up $1,000 to make a gift to that offering because we believe in the mission, the vision, and the values of this church. We want to help hurting children. We want to feed hungry people, and we want to reach people who are far uh, from God. And so um, I have no inhibition uh, to let you know about the generosity of this church because God has been so generous with us. Let me just pile up the evidence on the grace of God and his generosity toward us. We'll start with Psalm 103 and join the joy of the psalmist who says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. He forgives all all our sins. He heals all our diseases. He redeems our lives from the pit and crowns us with love and compassion. He satisfies our desires with good things and renews our youth like the eagles. The, the Lord makes everything work right, gets the victims back on their feet. The Lord made known his ways to Moses. I pray that every day. Lord, make known your ways uh, to me so I can lead well this church you've called me to serve. He made known his ways to Moses and his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love. He does not accuse forever. He does not harbor his anger forever. For his, uh, he does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heaven is above the earth, so great is his love toward those who fear him. And as far as east is from west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. He's a good God. Look, I brought this globe. I thought it would be a lot bigger. Nice golf clap. But, but let me help, let me illustrate. Let me see, I blame Amazon for baby globes, okay. Okay, I got my finger on Beloit, Wisconsin. If we go, move from Beloit to Green Bay, which direction are we going? North. <laughs> up, yeah, up, north. Go from Green Bay to Canada, what direction? North. Uh, Canada to the North Pole, what direction? Move past the North Pole down into Siberia. What direction now? South. You see, there's a limit between North and South. Aren't you glad God didn't say there's a limit on the forgiveness and grace I'll give? No, God says East to West. Where's Beloit? Okay, there's Beloit, Wisconsin. Let's say we go from Beloit to New York City. Which direction? 
East, we go across the Atlantic Ocean to Spain. What direction? East, go across the Mediterranean Sea to Israel, where we stay for about eight to 10 days because Israel is awesome. Which direction did we go? East, from Israel to India. Which direction did we go? India to China, which direction? Across the Pacific, all the way to Beloit, Wisconsin, which direction? East and West never meet. There is no limit on the grace of God from East and to West so far as He removed our transgressions from us. I ain't done. Three minutes to give you. Just keep piling on the evidence. Here we go together. God says, I, yes, I alone, not Dr. Phil, not Oprah, not the Democrats, not the Republicans. I and I alone will blot out your sins for my own sake and will never, look at that, I will never, I'll erase them. I'll erase them and I will never think of your screw-ups or your messes or your sins again. And the people respond this way. Once again, you, God, will have compassion on us. You, God, will trample our sins under your feet and throw them into the depths of the sea. God says, I will forever wipe the slate clean of their sins. I have swept away your sins like the morning mist. I scattered your offenses like the clouds. And so how do you respond to the grace of God who's wiped the slate clean, doesn't even think about your sins anymore? You are fully forgiven. You are cleansed of all guilt and shame. God says, here's how you respond. Return to me. Return to me for I have paid the price to set you free. What was the price God paid? For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son that whosoever surrenders to Jesus will never die but have everlasting life. For, for he, God, has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins by his work on the cross. And by his work on the cross, where he took all God's anger, do me for my sin, and all God's judgment, do you for your sin, and all our condemnation, God's condemnation, do us for our sin on the cross. Now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. You see, if anyone is in Christ, this is what you're going to watch. People are going to be baptized here in a matter of minutes, and you're going to watch them become new in Christ. If anyone is in real relationship with Jesus, they are a new creation. The new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. Yeah, thank you, Jesus. Here, here's the deal, fully forgiven, guilt-free, shame-free, and he is con constructing you, crafting you, recreating you in his, in God's best version of you, his best version of you. And so our, our servers are going to come now. Um, if you're newer here and um, this is something that's yet to grow in your heart, um, that's okay. You can just pass the bucket, but watch the other people beside you, how generous they give for hurting orphans. Now, a bunch of our people, yeah, go to Haiti every year, meet these kids, but a bunch of the people around you, the vast majority have never been to Haiti, never have met an orphan like that personally, but they give because God has been gracious to them, and they want to see hurting kids in this world fed. I'm gonna pray over you right now and then our servers will pass the buckets 
And um, let's let the grace of Jesus flow. Would you bow with me, please? Our Father and our God, you are faithful beyond words. And uh, we thank you for your grace. All our sins are forgiven. We're thankful that your grace wins every time, wins over our guilt, wins over our shame. And our identity is shaped in you, Christ Jesus. We are being shaped into your likeness. And that is good stuff. I love you and I love the way you look in this church, Jesus. It's in your name we pray and share right now. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us. Just a reminder to stay connected with us throughout the week at centralwire.com or on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks again for being with us and have a great week.